Thanks for listening today to In 16 Years. I'm Amy, and this is a podcast where I talk about what I've learned in 16 years of living with stage 4 endo, severe IBS, fibromyalgia, and interstitial cystitis. My name is Brittany, and I live with celiac disease, anxiety, and my own hormonal fun. We hope this show will inspire you, empower you, and help you feel supported on your own health journey. Brittany and I are not doctors, dietitians, mental health professionals, experts on endometriosis, or any kind of qualified medical professional. So that means that none of the information we share on this podcast is medical or mental health advice. If you get inspired by something we say, always consult your qualified medical professional first before making any changes. Today, we're going to muse about gratitude. How poetic. We've talked about gratitude in the past on the podcast, and today we want to talk about some benefits to practicing it, some obstacles that you may face when you're trying to practice it, and an idea on how to find gratitude if you are stuck. I feel stuck in my gratitude practice. Well, don't worry, Brittany, because this podcast episode is going to bring you an idea about how to find gratitude by using the stories of others. I'm so excited. To find it. So, speaking of gratitude, if you feel gratitude for Amy and I and for this podcast, we would absolutely love if you showed that by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Either write a review, rate us five stars if you really like us, if you feel a lot of gratitude. If you feel like we need more than five stars, feel free to write Apple Podcasts and tell them there are not (laughs) enough stars in this designation because I want 10 stars. Oh, my goodness. That's how much gratitude you feel. Thank you so much. Now we feel gratitude that you feel gratitude. Oh, what a gratitude circle. The gratitude that keeps on giving. Also, we'd love to mention another way that you can show your gratitude to us is that if you would like to support us, you can go to our website, which is in16years.com, and there you're able to support us via our Ko-fi page, which allows you to make a small donation to the podcast via, quote-unquote, buying us a coffee online. And my absolute favorite is when you reach out to us on Instagram or email us or any way you contact us. We feel so much gratitude when you connect with us. Amy's tired of having only me as a friend. Yeah, that is like, (laughs) I am so ridiculously tired. Please just, I'm begging anyone listening to please reach out to us, especially me. And you can address like, hi, this is for Amy only. And I just want to tell you how amazing you are, Amy and Brittany, whatever. But (laughs) Wow. I'm just kidding. Let's see how many of those we get. Ooh, at least 12, I'm anticipating. Wow, what a specific number. It's okay. Amy and I express our gratitude towards each other on an hourly basis. Brittany, I have so. so much gratitude that you're here with me doing this podcast because I could not imagine doing it without Brittany's humor, with your love and compassion that you have for this community, with your ability to make us feel things when you talk and make us feel all warm and gooey inside. Like, <laughs> We're being held like a little baby birdie with a broken wing and you're holding us <laughs> cupped in your palms and you're going, it's okay, little baby birdie, you're going to fly again. And that's how you make us in this community feel. I'm going to cry oh now. <laughs> Thank you, Brandy, for mending my broken wing. <laughs> 
I don't feel grateful that you didn't bring in tissues in this moment. <laughs> I, I failed us, Brittany. I failed us. I'm so sorry. Okay, now that I've cried all of the tears. Okay, I'll probably cry more later. I mean, I cry a lot. So, <laughs> so Amy. Yes, Brittany. Tell me all the nice things about myself. Give me praise. I mean. Oh, I didn't know. Oh, I'm I wasn't so going to. I was just going to take that compliment and move <laughs> on to the next point. I didn't. Oh. oh. <laughs> kidding. Amy, I feel a deep sense of gratitude for you opening up your heart and sharing feelings that you've kept private for so long out of fear, out of shame, out of being scared of how people would receive them. I feel gratitude that you've allowed me to come into your life and allowed me to learn from you and be supported by you and allowed me to in turn support you. I feel so much gratitude that we can share these happy, silly moments together. It's so great to have somebody with an equally oddball and hilarious sense of humor. I feel gratitude that you don't judge me, and I feel gratitude that you allow me to be who I am 100%. So thank you, Amy. Oh my God, does anyone feel like Brittany and I just gave each other our wedding vows, and <laughs> now we're just going to be married. like, peace out, we're going to go on our honeymoon. <laughs> We're going to hold hands and skip down the yellow brick road. Oh, that sounds lovely. Oh, my God. Who's Dorothy? Who's the Cowardly Lion? Who's the Tin Man? Who's the Scarecrow? Who's Toto? I'm You're Toto. definitely Toto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm, the, I'm the, the Wicked Witch of the West. It's fine. <laughs> and also, we want to show our gratitude for everyone who's listening we want to marry you too and go on a honeymoon together. Yeah. So we'll say our vows to all of you listening. <laughs> I want to say that this is Amy speaking. You already knew that, but I just <laughs> felt like I had to identify myself <laughs> because my vows are going to be better than Britney's. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, this is a competition. It obviously is. Everything between us is a competition. <laughs> but somehow we both win. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how that works out. <laughs> but I want to say that I love how... So many people have listened into this podcast and have come along with Brittany and I on this on this endometriosis journey, which is just full of ups and downs and brutal pain and dark, hopeless moments, as well as laughter about all the ridiculous things that happened to us and resilience and courage and the most incredible, beautiful strength that I have ever known. I have found that in this community. I have found that strength and resilience and determination in in our listeners and the people that we have connected with and the people, all of you who have shared your stories with Brittany and I, who have written us, who have let us know about how you're doing in the situation that you're in. And I always walk away with so much awe and inspiration in all of you, in the stories that you have told us, in the things that you've shared with us. I just thank you so much for listening to this podcast and just understanding and helping everyone in this community feel like we're all in this together because we really are all in this together. And sometimes we feel so alone, but the truth is that we understand each other and we have each other, even though we're living all across the world, even though we really haven't met each other. Sometimes we've only connected online. Sometimes we haven't connected at all, but Brittany and I know you're listening and you know that we're talking to you and it's just so beautiful to have this connection in a disease that at times has felt so isolating. So thank you so much for being there on this journey with us.
Now that we've expressed gratitude for each other and for all the wonderful listeners that are here with us right now, we want to talk a little bit about the benefits of gratitude. Are you sure we're done expressing gratitude? No, I'm we're probably sure going to do it like a hundred more times. Could give me a little more gratitude, Brittany, because <laughs> I feel like the gratitude you gave me, like, it wasn't a lot. Okay, here's the gratitude. I let you set up a podcasting box in my own closet, which renders it completely unusable. That's true. Her and closet is really small, and all of her clothes are sitting They're out. shoved in one tiny corner. <laughs> and on a chair in the living room. It's all the room I got. <laughs> so that's gratitude for you. <laughs> so, Amy, after you're done roasting me, If you're so brilliant, Amy, why don't you enlighten us and tell us what gratitude actually is? Gratitude is being appreciative. Gratitude is being thankful. Gratitude is being grateful. Gratitude is noticing the things that we oftentimes take for granted. Gratitude is, it's a state of mind, I think. It's a mindset. It is a practice that we can cultivate. And that we can grow. So even if we don't feel a lot of gratitude right now, we're just struggling to find gratitude in our lives. That doesn't mean that we're always going to feel that way. Gratitude is a little seed you planted in the ground or in your heart. Ooh, in your heart. In the ground of your heart. Ooh. In your heart soil. (laughs) In your heart ground. (laughs) And you water it. With tears. Oh. No, no, no. Tears of joy. Or tears of sad. Could be both. Ooh, I like where we're going here. But as you water it, you can grow this gratitude and it can become like your way of being. Studies are actually showing that gratitude is really good for our emotional and our physical well-being. Surprising. Gratitude actually helps our relationships. Oh, well, now that you say that, I do feel like our relationship got significantly better after we expressed our gratitude because I was holding a little bit of resentment and bitterness. (laughs) I'm glad our communication is so subpar you couldn't communicate that with me. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're lying. (laughs) Studies are showing that gratitude can help depression. Gratitude helps with your overall well-being. And did you know that gratitude cures endometriosis? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think the only thing that cures endometriosis is celery juice cleanses. Uh, duh. Oh, duh. You're just supposed to be grateful that celery juice cleanses exist because that's what cures endometriosis, Hello. not gratitude. Jeez. Gosh. Haven't you listened to any of our episodes? Clearly not. <laughs> so now that we mentioned all of those things. You can see why there's so many valid and important reasons why practicing gratitude can really add to your life. And imagine we didn't even say all the reasons. We just said some of the reasons that stuck out to us. <laughs> if we said all the reasons, we could be here all We'd be day. here forever. Just Google it. There's a reason why many people who actually are experts, still not you, Amy, recommend <laughs> <laughs> that we practice gratitude. Obviously, Amy and I agree with this as we both maintain this practice. Well, as Brittany made it so clear, I am not an expert in psychology, but I still have an opinion, as all people do. (laughs) And I have to say really that having gratitude is one of the things that has turned my life around. And because of my gratitude practice, I feel like my life has done this complete 180 from being this endless blur of really, really challenging, difficult oftentimes hopeless moments 
to being something that now I actually feel lucky to have my life and lucky to be alive, which is pretty weird, I guess, to hear me say, because, you know, I would say for like a really long time, for like a decade, I did not feel like I was lucky to have the life that I have. I hated, (laughs) I hated, hated my life. And I found it really, really hard to practice gratitude. Like even I would say that I found it impossible. And when people talked about gratitude, I would just roll my eyes and be like, I just, how can I have gratitude when I just don't see anything to be grateful for in this life full of suffering and really excruciating pain from endometriosis? Well, Amy, they say that we can all find something to be grateful for. How, Brittany? How are we supposed to be grateful if we're living with endometriosis and we're having diarrhea nine times a day? Well, at least it wasn't 15. Well, at least it wasn't 15. (laughs) I remember those 15-time days. They're way harder than the nine-times-a-day days. (laughs) That's true. Only nine times. Yay! (laughs) Actually, we did an episode about that. If you haven't heard, in episode 10 where we thought of all the really ridiculous things that we could be grateful for when really bad things were happening with endometriosis. That was a fun one. That was a hilarious episode. If you feel like you're stuck and you feel like you cannot find anything to feel grateful for, then that's okay. I think it's pretty normal when you have a chronic illness to have a hard time at the beginning finding things to feel grateful for. It's like, Here we are in life, and we're just surrounded by lemons. I love lemons. I love lemons. I do. (laughs) And I love making lemonade from lemons. I do like making lemonade from lemons, except this one time I made lemonade from lemons, and I didn't have the squeezer, and so I just squeezed it, and it got in my eyes, and then my eyes started burning. I didn't like lemons anymore. Well, imagine, Brittany, that you were surrounded by a bunch of lemons, and you didn't have the squeezy thingy, so you were trying to squeeze it with your hand, and then your hand was full of endometriosis lesions, so it was full of cuts. That's worse than the squirting and it was in the eye. Open and all the acid from the lemon got in your hands. You were trying to squeeze lemonade. It'd be really, really hard to squeeze lemonade. Don't you think so? I would not be grateful for lemons in that moment. What no, if I when you not. got it in your eye, you had a cut in your eye? Ah, ow. Yeah. No, I'm just, my eyes are closed and my hands are clenched, and I don't want to taste a lemon ever again. Would you feel happy to be making lemonade? No. That's right. Not at all. That's right. I would throw away every lemon I saw. Endolemonatriosis. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I kind of like Lemondometriosis better. <laughs> Sounds way more fancy. Oh, what is that drink, Brittany? Lemondometriosis teeny. <laughs> Ooh, pour me one on the rocks. <laughs> no, I'll squeeze it onto your endometriosis. That's the only oh, way God. you can have it. <laughs> Ow, it's so painful. <laughs> I kind of feel like that's what life is like living with endometriosis is just getting lemons squeezed on my cuts all of the time. And then my whole body is like covered in cuts and it's really painful and acidy and the lemons are raining down from the sky and they will not stop. Ow. Oh, imagine a lemon raining down from the sky hitting you in the head. Ooh, it would be worse than hail. Yeah, geez. They take your eyeball out. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) It's got violent real fast. I feel like it's also difficult with endometriosis because a lot of us, we get sick when we're very young. 
So when we get sick, that is when we're shaping our personalities. That is when we're coming into our identities, when our lives are really starting to take shape as adults, when we're getting sick and we're 16, 18, 20 years old. And I think that is a really hard time to be sick because during that time, you're really with your peer group, right? Like you're in high school. Some of us are going to college. And that time of our life is a time when most people consider that time of their life to be really carefree. We are watching our friends around us and they are having fun and they're going off to college to live the first time on their own. Or maybe they're getting a job or traveling or falling in love for the first time. And we're doing that too. But at the same time, we're also pooping ourselves, peeing ourselves. We're afraid of food. We're in chronic pain. We're sick all of the time. We're going to doctor's appointments. We don't know what's wrong with us. And that fear is eating away at us. We're having surgeries. We're being terrified of our periods. Like I know for me, I felt like I lived in a completely different world than my high school and then later my college friends. And it made it really hard for me to be able to see where there was gratitude in my life. Because I felt like my life was really, really hard. It's also hard when we get older and we're in the professional world, the real world. Oh, come on, Brittany. You're saying it doesn't get better as we no. get older. I thought things got better with age, like a fine wine. I mean, like a yes, cheese. we get better with age. But, <laughs> but sometimes these situations don't get easier with age. So this could manifest if you live with a partner or you have a really close group of friends or even your family members. And... You're having these experiences with them like, oh, it's time to go to bed and you're sleeping next to your partner and you're like, okay, it's it's my bedtime and they're just snoring like a saw, just snoring constantly all night. Now it's two and they're still snoring and you just want to go to sleep and you're like, I wish I could just sleep like they can't clue they're having a great time sleeping. I can't relate to what that's like because I'm in so much pain that every time I close my eyes, it just screeches up through me like a thousand bats screaming in the night. Oh, that was very dramatic. <laughs> Oh, I liked it. (laughs) And there's your stupid partner. Sleeping away. Snoring next to every snore is like rubbing in your face. I'm sleeping. You're not. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, you. I hate you in this moment. (laughs) It's also hard, like when you're going out with your adult friends and, you know, you're out to a restaurant and. Maybe there's nothing that you can choose to eat there or it's outside of your eating time and they're enjoying their meals and you're just sitting there like, okay, I wish I could have that meal. I wish I could join into that experience or with your friends and family and you're out doing something and you were like, okay, it's 10 p.m. It's past my bedtime. I got to go home because if I don't get enough sleep, then I'll have a flare tomorrow. And they're like, oh, didn't Cinderella's carriage turn into a pumpkin at midnight? Yeah, but mine turns into a pumpkin at 10.30, so uh, I got to leave at 10. Mine is not even a pumpkin anymore. Mine is like... It's a mushy gourd. It's like... Yeah, like a, mine's like a rotten puree. It's like, this carriage is going nowhere, okay? Like, the carriage is now mushy, rotten puree, and you got to walk home. Yeah, there's no wheels in glass shoes. anymore. And you're like, what? And those glass shoes also happen to be broken. All of your other friends are perfectly fine. So this is how this works. But even as an adult, it can be really hard when people around you, like your partner and your friends and your family, are having these really normal life experiences and you're not able to. It's just a reminder about how difficult living with endo can be. 
Okay, Brittany, so let me summarize. What you're saying is that living with endometriosis is really hard? Yes, that is exactly what I'm saying. And living with endometriosis can make it difficult to feel like practicing gratitude? Yes, exactly. And I shouldn't let my fairy godmother turn my pumpkin puree into a carriage because I won't be able to get home at night. All of what we just said seems like it kind of goes against being able to practice gratitude. But really, I think if anything, those are all reasons why we should, and I would even go as far to say need to practice gratitude to help try to soften these feelings of sadness and anger and bitterness and resentfulness and hopelessness and anxiety. Wow, Amy, that's a lot of feelings. Well, those are my feelings, Brittany. <laughs> okay, I And know. there's nothing wrong. I'm allowed to have my feelings. I'm I allowed know. to share my feelings. I'm I thought this was a you. safe space where I could do vulnerable things. It is. Just bake my pumpkin pie already. I want to <laughs> comfort eat. I, I think you do sad. not need a pumpkin pie in this moment. I think you need a hug. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Brittany. I'll give you a hug after mend you get my, out of the box. Mend okay? my broken wing. <laughs> With I pumpkin did. pie. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> Shouldn't have mentioned pumpkins. <laughs> Cursed myself. I played myself. <laughs> so it sounds like what you're saying is like endo and gratitude are magnets. So they like attract each other, but also they're the wrong ones. They repel each other. It's like, I really don't want to have to practice gratitude. I cannot. But also like, I need to. That's how I feel. Yes. And please don't put magnets in the pumpkin pie. Um, I was not planning to do that. That's I don't have just a box of magnets in my baking pantry. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, I feel grateful for that. <laughs> I think one of the big barriers for me to be able to practice gratitude was that I felt really lonely and really alone in my suffering. I think so many of us that have chronic illness, so many of us with endometriosis, we feel alone. We feel isolated with our pain. We feel like the people around us don't understand what they're going through. Like I personally, in my real life where I meet like 3D humans, (laughs) not like my online life, which is, I would say, almost more important to me than my real physical life. But I don't know anyone else in my work, in my friend group, in my family. I don't know anyone else with endometriosis. But thankfully, I met my dear friend, Brittany, who has all kinds of health problems. And that's why we instantly bonded because both of us have broken wings. And broken digestive systems and broken bladders and broken uteruses. (laughs) (laughs) And broken ways of pronouncing the word uterus. (laughs) Uteri. But apart from Brittany, I really haven't been around a lot of people who understand what I'm going through until I connected with the online endo community. Who oh, I love. I love this community so much because it helps me feel like I'm not alone. My peers, my friends, my family. You know, as I mentioned, when I was in high school, when I was in college, my friends were happy. They were healthy. They were living carefree. Of course, Of course, they had problems. Like all of us humans have problems, but none of them had major health problems. When I was 18 years old, 20 years old, 22 years old, I didn't feel like the people that I knew in my life had the same huge burdens and heavy weights on their shoulders that I had. And that may not have been the case. So I don't want to say, like, 
I'm the only one with problems and they had perfect lives. That's not what I'm saying. Like I'm just expressing how I felt that I just felt very isolated with my endometriosis and with my pain that I was suffering. And as you acknowledged, of course, you weren't the only person suffering. I felt like it, but it it can feel like like it. Of course, it felt like that. But we we know intuitively and technically we know we're not the only people suffering because all over the world, out of the 7.7 billion people on the planet, people are suffering in so many different ways for so many different reasons. It can be also because of chronic illness, but maybe a different other invisible illness that you're not able to tell they have. Or it could be from grief because they've lost a loved one or fear because they've lost a job or be dealing with something else that we just have no concept or ability to even understand. Suffering is so universal. It's something that almost everybody will experience at some point in their lives. Of course, we see suffering in our world through the news, through sensationalist headlines, but it can be really hard to relate to that because it's so distant and so removed from us. And I think part of that's cultural because we don't like to have to interact with things that make us feel uncomfortable and we don't like to experience tragedy because it's just overwhelming. It's really hard to experience that. But also we're a little bit desensitized to the news in some ways. So I feel like in order for us to understand the universal suffering and understand that we're not the only person in the world that is in a challenging moment, I find that understanding the stories of others and holding space in our hearts for each other's struggles is one of the best ways to understand that we're not actually alone. Well, that was really the turning point for me was when I began learning about the stories of others and actively seeking out the stories of others and their lives. I know now that I'm not the only person suffering and that suffering is universal. But when I was younger, I was suffering so deeply and it was such a new place for me to be in. Now I'm just like, oh, I'm suffering. Yeah, typical. That's my life. (laughs) Normal. (laughs) Whatever. That's endo for you. But when I was younger, suffering was so overwhelming and it was so all-consuming that it was very hard for me to really understand in my heart not just on an intellectual level, but like really understand with my being that we're all suffering in so many different ways. Right now, we want to talk about using stories to find gratitude. And what we mean by stories, it could just someone else's story. So it can be a story that someone shared with you. It could be a movie that you see. It can be a book that you read. It can be an article in a magazine or in a newspaper. It's just someone else's life and experience being expressed to you. Well, that's because stories are so profoundly powerful. I feel like they can reach us so much more deeply than something like opening up a newspaper can or reading the back of a shampoo bottle. A story. Are there stories on the back of shampoo bottles? (laughs) No, but they're just, What shampoo are you buying? (laughs) You can make a story out of anything. (laughs) Well, that's kind of why books and movies impact us so much, because the stories are so engrossing and they take us so deeply into themselves and they stick with us. I mean, I've read so many books and watched so many movies that have made me laugh hysterically and then in the next five minutes cry hysterically. You might need to get those mood swings checked out. (laughs) 
Okay, but anybody who's seen Up knows that they're smiling for the first 10 minutes and all of a sudden they're sobbing, okay? So. <laughs> it's good to have emotions. It's good to have yes, deep Yes, it's good to feel emotions. things. But stories stick with us so much because that made me reflect on my own life and made me think about situations in my life that I've felt a similar feeling or know somebody else who's felt a similar feeling. So stories can really do that to us. They can really consume us. Stories have been around since the dawn of time. We've literally been passing them down from generations to generations through legends, through myths, through parables. They're so powerful through us. They're such a source of wisdom for all the various cultures on the planet. This is why we love hearing the stories of other people. And when we meet people, we want to know their story because it helps us to connect with humans in a way that nothing else can. I know in my own case, I have been obsessed with nonfiction stories for most of my life. I don't know if this is kind of weird or what, but the kind of stories that I am drawn to are the ones of people overcoming hardships. When I read about a person going through a tough situation and how they make it to the other side of that situation, I just feel so moved and in awe and inspired by the courage and the strength that these people have. It makes me reflect on my own life and it makes me wonder if if I were in their shoes, if I would have had that same determination and resolve that they had in the face of their challenges. And like Brittany said, stories are how we connect with each other and stories help us reflect on our own lives and stories help us find wisdom and learn things from each other. That is why Brittany and I think it is so important that we share our stories. You know, here on this podcast, we share these stories about ourselves and we've really made a connection with a lot of you. And many of you listening, you have your own blogs and Instagram accounts that Brittany and I are following and we are learning from you and other people are learning from your perspective, from your experiences, from your wisdom that you tell through your own stories. When we tell our stories, we never know who's listening. Like we really never know who saw our Instagram post or who read our blog or who heard our podcast or like who we connected with. But what I've learned from having this podcast is like there is really a much bigger effect on so many more people than we realize. And so if you are thinking, oh, I really, I want to share my story, but I am feeling nervous. I'm feeling scared. It feels really vulnerable. Our advice to you is to go for it, to get out there and share your story and talk about what you're going through and talk about your feelings and talk about your hardships because people in this community, we're listening, we're craving that connection and also we're wanting to support you. So if you've been hesitant, <laughs> go ahead and share your story. And if you want to share your story first to Brittany and I, we would love to hear your story. We'd love Absolutely. to hear your end of story, your struggles, your triumphs. We would love to hear about that. And I know the rest of this community would too. So now that we're on the topic of stories, I think it's important to put that into practice and kind of show what we mean when we say how you can learn things from stories. So Amy, do you have a story that you have heard that you have learned something from? I want to know about it. Tell me about it. What is this, an interrodactyl? I mean, I think you mean interrogation? <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it's both. <laughs> I'm tired, Brittany. I'm tired. It's an interrogation tool. <laughs> <laughs> that was my pterodactyl sound. 
You're Aww. welcome. <laughs> it was a baby pterodactyl. <laughs> With a broken wing. No, I held it in my hands. I healed it. It's okay. <laughs> you can nurse back to health in the love of Britney's bosom. <laughs> Don't talk about my bosom on the podcast. <laughs> bosom is such a, like, a Such a weird word. It's such like an old-fashioned word from, what, my like, the bosom. 1920s or something. I love it. Brittany, you have an amazing bosom that would heal a thousand wounded birds. You could just nestle them to oh, your bosom. I wish this bosom would stop hurting my back, but thank <laughs> you. <laughs> the story that comes to mind is from a movie that I saw on Netflix. Thank you, Netflix. Thanks, Netflix. We need you. So the movie is Run, Boy, Run. And this is a very powerful movie. If you haven't seen this movie, it is a true story about an eight-year-old Polish boy who spends three years fleeing between villages and the forest to escape Nazi persecution. So he's a Jewish boy, and he is eight years old, and he is by himself because his family was killed by the Nazis. Eight years old, by himself fleeing all these villages and finding ways to eat and survive. I remember when I watched this movie how moved I felt by his experience. And the next time that I got my period, I thought about the boy in this movie. And I've talked about my period many times on this podcast, but before I had excision surgery, my period had me in pain that is like pain to go to the ER and I would be vomiting and pooping because I would lose control of my bowels and I would be screaming and it felt like my back was being crushed under a truck and I was absolutely terrified of my period every single month and the pain like that would go on for four or five hours and then it would leave me literally debilitated and unable to move wherever I'd collapse like on the floor or in the bed with searing pain. And it was just, the pain was so terrifying and heart-wrenching. For me, my period symbolized like the worst moments of my life. And so the next time I got my period after watching this movie, I thought about this boy in the movie. And I thought about his courage And I thought about him running away from people who were trying to kill him, trying to kill this eight-year-old boy when he should have been playing carefree with his friends. For the first time in a really, really long time, I felt gratitude. I felt this really deep gratitude, this feeling like inside of me, like really deep in my heart. I felt this gratitude that I was not at war. I was not on the run that I was safe. Like, yes, I was pacing in my bedroom, clutching my hands to my back. I was moaning. I was begging out loud for the pain to stop. I was vomiting. But I was in the safety of my own home. And that just really hit me in that moment. Like, okay, I'm in unbearable, excruciating, debilitating pain, but I am safe. Like, really at my core, I'm safe. Now, I know that we're talking about a really heavy topic here about the challenge that this boy went through during the Holocaust. And I understand that many people choose not to read or watch stories that 
could be considered sad or tragic. And I know in my own life, like when my boyfriend and I want to watch a movie, he really hates watching movies like this. So I always end up watching movies alone with my Kleenex box. It's a good companion for sad movies. Right. And my (laughs) kitty. But for me, I think although these are stories that can bring tears to your eyes, I feel like they also are stories that speak of incredible personal strength. You know, people have survived the most unimaginable situations. Like that situation for me is unimaginable. I cannot imagine being so young and alone and fighting for my life. The will, the determination, the unbelievable mental strength that people have, it inspires me because it's what I'm searching for in my own life with my own battle with endometriosis. I am searching for this determination and this will and this unbelievable mental strength to help me get through the challenging times in my own life times that often leave me feeling hopeless and depressed and like giving up. I hear you say that you're searching for that and that we're all searching for that, but I think in a large part that already exists within us, within everybody in this community. Everybody in this community has faced unbearable, unimaginable for other people, pain. You've faced doubt and dismissal and the hopelessness you mentioned and desperation and fear. You've all already faced that. You're all already dealing with that. You all already have the will and the determination and the mental strength to survive that. That's incredible. So when you watched Run Boy Run, Amy, what were the feelings that you felt towards him? Were they pity? Sympathy? What did you feel? What did that film make you feel? It made me feel compassion. And it made me feel empathy for his own suffering. And I think in a way it helped me feel compassion and understanding of my own suffering. But not pity. No, not pity. Because I wouldn't want... See, the thing is, when I hear stories about other people, it's not about feeling sorry for that person. Because that's not something that I want people to feel about me. Right? Because... I hate when people do that to me. Like, I hate when I... You hate the, aw, you poor thing. Yeah, like, I hate when a coworker's like, oh, how was your weekend? And you're like, well, it wasn't great because I was in bed all weekend because I had a flare and I just was in a lot of pain. And they're like, oh, I'm so sorry, you poor thing. That must be so hard. Oh, sweetheart. I'm sure next weekend will be better. (laughs) I don't want the pity of anyone else. I'm not a bird with a broken wing. Although, if I was, I would love to go in the warmth (laughs) of Brittany's bosom. (laughs) I feel like when we share our stories, like if I open up and I'm vulnerable with a friend or a family member or someone in my life and I let them know that I'm not doing well with my endometriosis, I do that because I want to connect with the other person. What I'm looking for is understanding and compassion. I am not looking for someone to feel sorry for me because ultimately I feel like if someone feels sorry for me, like, oh, poor girl, she has endometriosis, it puts us in this dynamic of like, I'm less than or that I'm weak or that I'm fragile or I just feel like it's not two people 
sharing suffering. It's one person suffering and the other person above that suffering and just being like, oh, poor thing for suffering. So the long-winded answer to your question is, I didn't feel pity or sorrow for him in the movie. I felt compassion. And compassion means to be with. I felt with him in his suffering, which is much different than feeling sorry or feeling pity. I think something important to keep in mind is that learning about the suffering that other people are going through doesn't make suffering with Endo any less valid. Sometimes when we hear these stories, like the Run Boy Run story, about these deep, profound sufferings, it can make us feel like what we're experiencing isn't as big of a deal. Now, things like not being able to find something to wear is not as big of a deal, and it kind of puts it in perspective when you learn the stories of people who have great suffering. But it also shouldn't invalidate the suffering that you do have that is valid suffering, and living with endometriosis is valid. And that's not diminished by something that you may perceive as greater or deeper suffering. I find that there's kind of this weird place that we can get in when we hear these stories and learn about the suffering of others. When we're trying to find gratitude within our own suffering, but then we hear about a story of somebody also experiencing their suffering. And instead of finding gratitude in those moments, we instead feel guilty that our suffering's not as bad as theirs or it's not as extreme as theirs. And we instead internalize that and minimize that because we think, well, someone has it worse. I mean, of course, sometimes there's situations like, I broke my glasses. I mean, that's really annoying, but it's not the biggest deal. Oh, wait, like, oh my God, what am I going to wear tonight? I have nothing to wear tonight. Oh, this is a disaster. I am going to a fancy event. And yes, I have things in my closet, but I don't really want to put any of them on. I want to wear something new and I have nothing. I want to wear something red. I don't have anything red. This is ridiculous. This sounds like it was a personal experience recently. (laughs) Mm. But no, that's not the biggest deal in terms of suffering, no. But having endo pain isn't the same as having nothing to wear. Amy could have taken a very different message from the story of Run Boy Run. And instead of seeing it the way she did, she could have instead, while writhing on the floor in pain, told herself to suck it up because it's not as bad as this person's story. She should have told herself to suck it up when she couldn't find anything to wear. But, (laughs) oh my God, Brittany, I did. I was like, "Mm, okay, a little bit of perspective here. Uh, You don't like one of the 35 shirts in your closet. Suck it up. You are just fine. You have so much. You have adequate clothing, Amy. Put something on. You're going to look good whenever you put on anyway. Hello. (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) I am a strong, confident woman. Good. You should be. But in terms of endo, that's not a suck it up situation. Just because somebody is suffering in a way that you perceive as more extreme or worse than what you're experiencing does not mean that you are not suffering. So don't diminish your experience. I remember a time when I felt really, really guilty for my quote unquote perceived lack of suffering. I was in college. I've talked about that many times. I was having a terribly hard time, fatigue, diarrhea, pain, all the endo symptoms, all the works. It was like a full Sunday bar, but everything was a symptom. (laughs) (laughs) 
And my sister was in high school, and she was 16, and she got diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, which is a form of inflammatory bowel disease. I was undiagnosed with endometriosis. You know, all the doctors were telling me, there's nothing wrong with you. It's all in your head. And there was my sister who actually had something wrong with her. She was diagnosed with an illness, ulcerative colitis. Her case was very severe, and she actually had to undergo emergency surgery to remove her large intestines from her body. I don't know from where else, but just making that clear. And they did this because her rectal bleeding was so severe that it was causing her too much blood loss. <gasps> and I've just realized something. Oh, go ahead, Brady. Your sister struggled with rectal bleeding, and you struggle with vaginal bleeding. <gasps> Sometimes my nose bleeds, like, a lot. Do I count? <laughs> Is this, like, a trifecta? Did we get, like, some kind of, like, trifecta of the bleeding, the orifice bleeding? Uh, okay. Do we win an award? <laughs> Maybe you have endometriosis in your nose. It's a goal now, apparently. <laughs> Please, endogods. Be in my nose. Put it in my nose, right next to my nose ring. Is that why during my menstrual cycle my nose gets so stuffed up? Because the endo, you know, swells in there. And okay. <laughs> Is that what happens? Okay, so as I was pouring my heart out and Brittany rudely interrupted me about her nose bleeding, wow. her trifecta of nose bleeding. I was talking bleeding. about you, too. I knew you'd be happy with that. Thank you. <laughs> I'm grateful you talk about me so much. I know you are. Anyhow, so when we were in high school, my sister ended up having an elastomy bag because they took out her large intestines and then they made, it's like a colostomy bag, but it's in a different spot. So it's called an elastomy bag. And she would leak her poo into this bag and she no longer went to the bathroom to poo because it came out into this bag that was taped to her stomach. And that was a really hard time for all of us. She was 16. I was 18. My parents had two sick children, but it was really hard. It was very stressful. It was very overwhelming. And I remember that time. I remember being racked with guilt. Every single time that I had diarrhea, which was like 20 times a day, Every single time that I couldn't talk, I couldn't get out of bed because I was so nauseous. Every time I got my period, every time I went up a flight of stairs or tried to put on my backpack and I felt that fatigue crippling my body, I felt guilty. I didn't have an elastomy bag. I still had my intestines inside of my body. I didn't have any diagnosis because there was, quote unquote, nothing wrong with me. And I was really starting to believe that there was nothing wrong with me. And I felt like my suffering with endometriosis just completely paled in comparison to my sister's suffering. And I felt like I shouldn't feel sad for myself. I felt so sad for myself because I was supposed to be in college. I was supposed to be having fun. And I was sick and in bed and on the toilet and in pain. And every time I felt those feelings of sadness for myself, I felt I hated myself because my suffering was nothing compared to what my sister was going through. My situation was not as bad as hers. I think diminishing the suffering or pain or sadness we feel about our own situations because somebody else has what we perceive as worse is a very common experience. And it really breaks my heart that at that young, at 18 years old, you thought that what you were experiencing was not valid, was not important because 
somebody else was going through something also. Suffering is not a competition. It's not about the person who has it the worst can suffer where everybody else has to do it in silence. That's not how it works. Everybody's level of suffering has nothing to do with the person besides them level of suffering. And it really makes me so sad that you felt like you couldn't express what you were feeling because the people that you would have expressed it to your family maybe would have thought that that wasn't as big of a deal or would have not been able to receive that communication at that time. I think it's really important to learn that we don't need to stack our suffering against other people's. And it's not about who's suffering more than us or less than us. Our experiences are own. The compassion that you feel for other people when you hear their stories about suffering is also the compassion you should turn inward to yourself. Compassion isn't reserved just for other people. We should also feel compassion and love for the experiences and the suffering that we're going through. Although everybody's suffering may be different and the spectrum is so wide in terms of suffering, even though all the circumstances could vary, that's a core of who we are as humans. And that's a common experience, an experience that everybody has. We all know suffering. We all know grief. We all know loss. And we all know what it feels like to be scared or to feel broken or depressed or hopeless. So this isn't a comparison game. This is an opportunity for you to turn the same experience of compassion for others and being inspired by other stories and being strengthened by their experiences. All of that, this is an opportunity to turn that inward and be compassionate to yourself and inspired by the strength that you have and the resilience and the ability to continue going forward. It's funny when I hear myself talk about the feelings that I had when I was 18 years old. It was such a long time ago. Like, I'm going to be 36 this year. That is the halfway point of my life, my current life right now. And I wish I had known that I could feel compassion for my sister, who is my loved one, but who's ultimately another human being. I could feel compassion for other human beings on this earth and still have the space and love and understanding in my heart to have that same compassion for myself. And I think had I had that knowledge and that wisdom that, like Brittany said, suffering is universal, that we are all suffering in our own ways, but at the deepest level, we really understand each other. I think probably I could have felt less scared during that time, less alone, less isolated, less hopeless. I could have felt like more people understood me. I could have, maybe my sister and I could have bonded and have gone through each in our own situation, but I've gone through our suffering together. But I really closed myself up and I denied my feelings. And that really damaged how I saw myself. It really damaged my self-worth. I constantly told myself to suck it up. I told myself that everything was fine. You know, you shouldn't be crying. You, you're just fine. I was so harsh with myself during a time when what I really needed to do was just reach out my arms and give myself a big, warm, fluffy hug and pretend that I was in the bosom of Brittany. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> talked about my bosom a lot. I didn't even know Brittany at that time. But <laughs> but you already knew you wanted back, to be hugged by me. <laughs> I realized I needed... By the way, I just want to be clear. I've never nestled in Brittany's bosom. <laughs> but, like, I would get why you would. <laughs> I feel like oftentimes with endometriosis, we have a lot of dark moments in our life. We have a lot of moments that are overwhelming, that are confusing, that we're unsure how to handle the situation that we feel scared. What I've really learned from hearing other people's stories, like when I watched the movie Run, Boy, Run, I saw that movie just a few years ago. So I saw that movie about 12 years after living through that experience with my sister and with my guilt and with both of us being sick at the same time. And that just really that guilt eating away at my heart. When I saw Run, Boy, Run, I didn't feel guilty for my own suffering. I didn't feel the need to compare whose suffering was worse. What I felt was love and compassion and inspiration and his determination and willpower and resiliency. And I felt that I could learn from that and that I could apply that to my own life. I felt that even though when I saw that movie, I was going through a very hard time in my life. I still wasn't diagnosed with endometriosis. When I saw that movie, I was feeling really lost. I was feeling really hopeless. And yet that movie, his story, it brought a little bit of light to my life. Because suddenly I realized that in spite of all the darkness that I was feeling, there were these little bits of light. And I really think now that that's what's so important about gratitude. Because gratitude helps you focus on the things that are going right in your life, not the things that are going wrong. It's so easy to focus on the things that are going wrong. And yes, with endometriosis, there are times when so many things are going wrong. But if we can figure out how to see the things that are going right, I think that we have a chance at figuring out how to be okay. When all the things are going wrong, I think we have a chance to figure out how to find ourselves instead of losing ourselves. And I think ultimately that happiness, the elusive happiness that we're all searching for, I don't think that's possible to find if we don't have the groundwork for it, which I feel comes from a gratitude practice of being able to pick out the things that are going right in our life, of being able to see and recognize and appreciate the little bits of light that we normally take for granted. And I think that's a really a foundation and a building block for finding happiness and finding joy. I think sometimes finding those little bits of light can be really difficult. I think it's important to acknowledge that it's unfortunate we have endometriosis, but it's also fortunate that we've found this community. As we expressed in the beginning, we both feel so much gratitude for this community. When Amy first found this community and was on her journey towards treatment, I remember how excited she was and how much overflowing gratitude she felt for all of the information that was available in this community, the leaders and experts in this field that were sharing knowledge. I can't even express how much gratitude that we feel for people in this field who contribute to the knowledge and the medical expertise that's so needed. And it's not something you realize at first that you feel grateful for because it's learning and you're trying to figure everything out and there's so much to know and there's so much to interact with. 
but I can't express adequately how much appreciation we felt for being part of this community. And I know that we feel that towards you all. And when you're in a really dark place, it's hard to see just how valuable it is to connect with each other. And I think while it's really unfortunate that we have endometriosis, it's really fortunate that we have each other and that we're not going through it alone. So I think gratitude for our community is something that is immeasurable. Well, I really like what you said there about how, you know, it's unfortunate that we have endometriosis, but it's really fortunate that we have each other. And I think in statements like that, we can hold space for both our suffering and our gratitude. I used to think that things had to be going correctly all the time in my life in order for me to be happy. And looking back, I can realize that that's why I was never happy. You know, I looked at my friends and I looked at my social media and I saw that my life didn't appear to be going, quote unquote, correctly, going the way that I wanted it to. But now when I think of happiness, I think of happiness as finding those little bits of light, even during the dark times. For me, happiness comes from focusing on the things that are going right in my life and not focusing anymore on the things that are going wrong. Because as we know with endometriosis, sometimes there are so many things that are going wrong. For a really long time, the things that were going right in my life, I, I couldn't see them. You know, I overlooked them and I really took them for granted. And like I said earlier, I mean, it is devastating and terrifying to have such excruciating period pain. But at least in those moments, I'm safe. I feel so much gratitude for having safety and privacy during these really difficult and incapacitating moments with my body. And I cannot even imagine how difficult it must be for people experiencing homelessness to manage endometriosis or people in prisons. And so hearing about the stories of the experiences of other people has really helped me in these difficult moments of my life to see those little places where I can still have gratitude even though my circumstances may be very hard. You know, something else that I have struggled with since I was 16 years old and I'm still struggling with now is my food situation. Food has been, oh God, I mean, in so many ways it has been the bane of my existence. Like food has made me sick for over two decades now, starting from when I was in my teens and the foods that I ate would give me endo flares. Then in my early 20s, the foods that I ate would give me relentless diarrhea that really impacted my ability to hold a job or to leave the house or to go anywhere and I would be having accidents. And now I'm having the histamine intolerance and I'm really intolerant and having allergies to the huge array of foods, foods that were not making me sick before. And it has really been a punch in the gut to put it lightly about how difficult it is to eat without having so many reactions with my body. It has made me feel so angry and so sad for myself. And I have suffered so deeply. And something that has just recently become a small light in this dark situation of, you know, how am I going to eat? And eating is something that I have to do in order to live, in order to have my energy. 
And something that I've realized is recently when I went home to visit my parents and they live in a small rural town and there's just one supermarket and there's not a wide selection of food at the supermarket. And the next closest supermarket is like 35, 40 minutes away from their house. And that supermarket is not much better either because they live in a really rural zone. And then when I came back to where I live now, which is in a big city, I realized like, oh my gosh, I have several supermarkets here where I live, all within like a 10, 15 minute drive from my house. These supermarkets have all kinds of food at all times. Of course, they have everything in season, out of season, flown in from all over the world. There's endless aisles, endless options. You know, they have all these gluten-free products and paleo-approved products. And there's just such a variety of food that I can have access to. And then I realized, even though it is really, really difficult to eat, how much harder it would be to eat if I was living in a different place, like if I was living back at home with my parents. And while sometimes when I eat, like I feel sad for how hard it is to eat, I'm also able to bring gratitude into my heart for the fact that I have access to all these different types of food. I think something that it comes down to is opening yourself up for having space for both. Some things are going wrong, but we still have things that are going right. And yes, us endo warriors have really rough struggles with our poor health. But maybe we are quick learners. Or maybe we have a wonderfully loving support system. Or maybe we are well off and can afford lots of supplements. We are advantaged in some ways and disadvantaged in others. And of course, this isn't to brush off our suffering with an it-could-be-worse phrase, but it's to acknowledge that even amidst our suffering, there are these little pockets of light. For both Amy and I, shifting our focus to these bits of light that we previously took for granted more often than not, helped us to begin to not see them as these small, tiny blimps or glimpses, but they're actually pretty bright. They're pretty big. Letting all of that light in helps to diminish the feelings of the darkness that we had surrounding our constant suffering and allows us to start to find more joy and more meaning in the life that we're leading. The final thing that we want to talk about is the importance of really expressing our gratitude. So until now, we've talked about the benefits of gratitude and how finding gratitude with endometriosis can be really hard, but how through listening and learning through other people's stories and feeling compassion, we can find things in our own life, little pockets of light and happiness and joy that we can be grateful for. And then I really think the final step that cements this gratitude practice is expressing the gratitude that we feel. Writing down three things that we feel grateful for each day can really benefit our mental health. And it takes only a few minutes, but getting into that daily habit can help us examine all aspects of our life and then stop overlooking what we may be taking for granted. Or... Something else that can be really nice is expressing our gratitude to the people in our lives. It can be really wonderful to write an email or a letter or send a card to a friend that has been with us through our really hard times. 
And how wonderful for our friend to receive this beautiful letter or a little short email. It doesn't even have to be this long letter. I would, of course, write like a five-page letter because I'm very verbose. But I'm much more succinct. Brittany would just write like on a post-it note, I appreciate you and stick it to the mirror. And both of those are okay. I think that, you know, it's just it's important to express to the people that are in our life how much we appreciate them being there for us. And I feel like we live in a society that really focuses on the negative rather than the positive. I mean, it's much more common to complain about someone than it is to just give them a heartfelt smile and a thank you. So we really encourage you to think about someone that you feel grateful for and just write them in your own words, in your own way, write them a thank you. Maybe you can express gratitude to your doctor who has helped you through this diagnosis or who did your surgery or who was just a really good listener. And if you found that doctor, that diamond in the rough, that needle in a haystack, (laughs) (laughs) then definitely write them a letter of appreciation. Ask them to share it in the staff room so other doctors can learn from that doctor's incredible example. <laughs> you're right. You're like, dear doctor and everyone else who works here, please read this letter <laughs> out loud. Please pay attention to what it on says. On the PA intercom system. <laughs> <laughs> everyone can learn from my letter of gratitude. <laughs> Maybe you can express gratitude to the coworker who always asks you every single morning how you're feeling. Maybe you can write a letter to yourself and you can express gratitude to yourself for your body that has kept you alive during all this time. Your body that, yes, has endometriosis and, yes, causes you pain, but also has kept your heart beating and your lungs breathing and your digestive working, sometimes an overdrive and sometimes an underdrive. (laughs) (laughs) Not fast enough. (laughs) Thank you, constipation. Maybe you can write a letter for how grateful you are at your own strength, at your own resilience. Maybe you can write a letter to your past self for somehow getting through the most difficult storm. This is why I think we find the stories of others' experiences so important. Because when we're in the deep depths of what we're experiencing, we may not be able to find gratitude in that moment. And that's okay. But interacting with each other and learning each other's stories and being mindful to not compare our suffering with others, we can then retrospectively find things to be grateful for. And that's a really important thing to note as well. Gratitude can be for the future, the past, or the present. The purpose is that you're feeling that gratitude. It doesn't matter when it's for. So stories can help us to find gratitude in places we didn't expect. Amy didn't watch Run Boy Run expecting to feel gratitude that she had a safe place to scream in pain. But retrospectively, it made her feel that. It made her experience that. And then in the future, she remembered that gratitude. It helped her to better navigate the pain she was experiencing. So I think that's why stories and not comparing our suffering is just so incredibly important for us to be able to allow ourselves to suffer and be able to allow ourselves to acknowledge how strong we are for doing so. That's why I really love what Amy said about the letters, because I see a letter as being a story that I'm telling to the person I'm writing it to, which could happen to be myself. And sharing a bit of your experience through a letter, like Amy mentioned, can be such a great way to communicate with somebody 
and to share part of your story with them. And it's also really helpful to manifest an emotion that's in your head into something physical. And that can really help you as you're writing it. And it can really help whoever is reading it. I'm just imagining that I go to the post office with like 25 letters and I'm like, I want to mail all of these letters. And they take them and they're like, um, but these are all addressed to the same person that like the, send- the sender and the addressee is the same address. <laughs> like, yeah, they're all to myself, but I want to get them in my mailbox. Because that's exciting to get open mail. them. I mean, I never get mail anymore except for bills from my Ew. surgery. Stop it already. But can you like delay the sending so I get one every day or so for the next month? Like I would really appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> and I think that's why it's so important to share stories because everybody experiences something different. And I got something out of sharing my own story and I get something out of experiencing and reading other people's stories. And it helps to really drive home that we're all experiencing the world together. We're all experiencing suffering together and we don't have to do it alone. We really want to encourage you to reach out to us if you want. Please don't feel nervous about reaching out to us. Many of you have reached out to us and we've made it's the highlight of our day every single day. <laughs> and we yeah, we've made a connection. We love hearing from all of you listening because you get to hear from us, but we also want to hear from you. So please don't hesitate to reach out to us if you want to tell us your story or just introduce yourself or just tell us how you are or send a picture of your kitty or or, doggy or your doggy. (laughs) Then please go ahead and reach out to us. So we want to remind you that we are on Instagram. We're at in 16 years of endo. And we're on the website in 16years.com, and you can connect with us there via email. Thank you so much for listening. We're so grateful for this community. We're so grateful for all of you. We're so grateful that we all have each other. We're such a strong, incredible community, and we provide so much inspiration for each other. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time. 